Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately, He rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God, and they were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. All right, you're going to have a seat. Let's pray as we begin our time of reflection this evening. Father, thank you again for the privilege to be here tonight. Thank you for this group of students. Grateful every week to be able to have the chance to study your word together. And we pray now that you would give us open hearts, open ears, open minds to again better see Jesus. Lord, we desire to encounter the true Jesus tonight. That, Lord, when we see Jesus for who he really is, Lives can be changed forever. I truly believe that. I'm so thankful that we've had several weeks already to just better understand Jesus. And I pray that each and every week would just be a new opportunity for us to come face to face with the Son of God who has been sent to save and redeem broken people like us. So give us your grace this evening as we meditate on your word together, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right, so hopefully again that you uh, have had the opportunity over the last week to kind of read and study and look at this passage in advance for tonight. Again, our, our hope is that you are taking the opportunities throughout the week to better understand how to study and interpret and come to a, a general understanding of what God's Word has to say. Uh, your study guides this week, you had an opportunity to kind of fill out some of those questions there on the right-hand column of that observe section. Uh, as you know, there's a lot of people who are at play in this, right? So there's a lot that's said about the various people who are um, at stake here in this passage. So we're going to kind of skip over that part here. But I wanted to spend a few moments seeing kind of your observations that you came up with here. So let's jump into that second question there for just a moment. What is the opportunity or what is the problem that's being presented in this passage? Okay, go ahead, raise your hand, shout out, whatever. Let's work through this. Quickly here, so what's the problem, or the opportunity that's being presented here in this passage? Yeah, Adrian. There's a paralyzed man. Okay, there's a paralyzed man. So what's the situation with the paralyzed man? What's the opportunity? Yes. Uh, there's a paralyzed man who like, can't walk, so his friends put him through a roof. Okay, can't walk, 
And so his friends, <laughs> I like that he just jumped. He just put him through the roof. <laughs> right? Okay. And why do they have to do that? Yeah. Yeah, because the crowds are so, so dense and they can't get to Jesus through the house. So they have to go to much greater extents. Okay? So uh, how is it that Jesus responds in this situation? What does he say or what does he do? Any commands or warnings that he gives in this story that are significant? What's Jesus doing? What about this area over here? What's Jesus doing? Yeah. Okay. He's teaching. So context here is Jesus is teaching. He's doing his thing, which is teaching. Absolutely. What else? You guys didn't get enough caffeine tonight? You got this. What else is happening? What else is Jesus doing? Yeah. Oops, that again. Okay, yeah. Forgives the paralyzed man of his sins. That's pretty significant. Ends up healing him as well, right? Okay, so... We can talk about, again, the, the outcome a little bit there. We, we see here that he forgives this guy of his sins. The guy is healed. So here's the question. is what As you look at this passage here, think about this. What is the main point? As you say this and you kind of put together all the thoughts together, what is the main point that this passage is teaching you about Jesus? What's this encounter teaching you about Jesus? Yeah. Okay, excellent. So Jesus is able to heal us of kind of both the physical and the spiritual. I love that. That's really good. Excellent. What else? Any other summaries that you guys came up with? Yeah. Oh, like the Pharisees said he's God. What's that? Remember when the Pharisees were like, uh, only God can forgive sins? Okay. So it showed that Jesus was God. So, okay, so that kind of indirectly, yeah, points the fact that this passage teaches me that Jesus is God. Absolutely. Really good. Anything else? Yeah. Um, that Jesus looks at the heart first. Ooh, I like that. That Jesus looks at the heart first. I think about that first because he does that before he heals the man's sense. I love it. So yeah, you guys are doing a great job. I love, I love the work that you're putting into this here. So kind of how I saw it, very similar to some of the things that have been said so far here. There's kind of two ways that I looked at it here as I was studying it this week. First is that, you know, this passage teaches me that Jesus is both the ability and the authority to forgive sin. I say ability because it says up in verse... 17, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Okay, so we see ability, we see power there. Authority, where do we, where do we see that? Well, verse 24, right? But that you may know that the Son of Man has what? Authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus has both the ability and the authority to forgive sins, or very similar to what Adrian was saying, he is the source of true restoration. What I mean by true restoration is we could say that man was restored if his legs were healed, but notice that the bigger issue at play here is not his legs, but his heart. The bigger issue is not his paralysis, it's his sin. 
And so that's very significant for us as we study this story tonight. So let's take the next 15, 20 minutes and let's go back through it and just give you kind of a, an idea of what is really at play here as we look at this story. So notice verse 17, it says, on one of those days, again, don't know exactly when this is, but context, he's been doing a lot of work here. Last week we talked about uh, how he was uh, healing the man of leprosy. So he's been very busy. He's been healing. He's been teaching. He's been creating a little bit of a stir amongst uh, people. And so this attention that Jesus is starting to stir up uh, gets the attention of some very significant individuals. Verse 17 says, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. In other words, they've come from the northern part of the country. They've come from the southern part of the country. They've even come from the capital city of the country because of this guy named Jesus who's doing all these miracles. He's causing this stir. And these religious leaders, these Pharisees and teachers of the law, they were kind of your religious elite at this time. They're intrigued and they think to themselves, we need to go, we need to go hear this guy. We need to go see what this is all about because this is kind of concerning. And so Jesus has himself a very significant audience. This draws plenty of people. As we see, there's going to be a crowd here that's developing. He's in this home, most likely. Uh, it's reasonable to believe that maybe this is Peter's home in Capernaum. But notice it does say in verse 17, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Right? So the power of the Lord, power of God was upon Jesus to heal. So that sets the stage for us that something big is at play here. In verse 18, and behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So this is pretty significant here. These, these people are, not, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they're not the only ones who know about Jesus. Uh, we, we learned here that there's people who are hearing all about what Jesus is able to do. And we now have these, uh, this group of men who are bringing in a man who is paralyzed. In other words, he, his legs no longer function. He is not able to walk, and they desire to get him to Jesus. Now, we don't really, you know, sometimes we, we take this for granted here that there's these men carrying this guy to Jesus, but we don't often think about how challenging that must have been. Obviously, these guys desire to get him to Jesus, but uh, something that we maybe take for granted. And so I was thinking to myself, how, how can we best understand uh, the challenge of actually carrying this guy all the way to meet Jesus? So I thought I would give us a little bit of a challenge here tonight. I need five guys and I need five girls. Five guys and five girls. The five strongest guys that you think you can have any of the five strongest girls okay all right i see a couple of hands so if you're all right so I, I see who are my guys come on up here girls come on up here i'll just just come up here that's you so all right for my five for, okay i got 
One, two, three, four, five. Excellent, perfect. Who are my guys here? I need, wow, the guys are already, I can tell, a little worried that they're gonna get shown up here. All right. One, two, three, four. I need one more guy. Who's about, there we go, Jackson, excellent. All right. Oh, I bench you, back off. I need, I need, uh, I need a representative from the guys and a representative from the, actually this is William and Greta. What? Let me run. I need your rock, paper, scissors. Oh. 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 Come on! Come on, please! I think you did too. Wow. Okay, perfect. All right, you want to go first or second? Second. All right, perfect. Guys, here's the deal. I'm going to give you. Well, I can give you, you're going to divide who's going to be on the board. You're going to have four people. If I would to strap them in there. All right, here's the deal. You got to start here. You got to work your way around the perimeter, all the way around back to me here, okay? I'm going to time you. I'm going to time you and see how fast you can do it. I'm about to start the timer here. On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three, go! Shut them down. Time. All right. Well done. Awesome. Uh, how fast do you think you did it? 23 seconds. Well done. Perfect. Hey, who's, who's going? Who's going? Who's going? Yeah, I didn't see a lot of cheering for the guys on that one, so I'm gonna, I think the girls are going to need some help here. I'm pretty sure the girls just did it backwards. We did? Her shoulders are wider. Oh. Thank you for entertaining us. So, again, 
we don't know. We don't know how far uh, they had to carry this guy, but this is a pretty significant thing that's going on here, right? We find them carrying this guy all the way to meet Jesus. And it is a, a really a valuable thing for us to think about here when we think about just a context of a friendship in the scriptures. This is not a main point of this, but it is just something worth noting that your best friends are the ones who bring you closer to Jesus. Right? Your best friends in life are the ones who take you to Jesus. They show you Jesus. Um, if you are a, a Christian, this is what God has called you to, is to be a good friend by helping your friends move closer to Jesus rather than further away from them. And it's a point for you to think about here tonight. Who are, who do you consider to be your closest friends? And ask yourself the question, do your friends bring you closer to or farther from Jesus? Think about it tonight. There's probably some of you here who are here tonight. I don't really know your heart. Many of you, there are probably some of you here that you enjoy being here, but you don't maybe necessarily uh, understand or really care about this whole Christianity thing. You're here maybe for the social aspects of it. But the reality is that you probably were invited or you were brought here by someone who cares that you know Jesus. And they're bringing you here for that specific purpose that you would encounter him. In this case, these guys bring him to Jesus, but they are met with a challenge. Verse 19, finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, right? So we got this huge crowd thing going on. They can't make their way in. If you guys have been to Ascend Camp, you know what it's like in the foyers of Ascend Camp. You know how tight it gets in there and how challenging it is to move around. You can't get anywhere. This is exactly the case going on in this house. They want to bring this guy in. The crowds are so thick. People are maybe not all that willing to give up their position to see Jesus, that these guys have to result to something else. Now, this is pretty significant, right? Because they instead, they go up on the roof, which you think to yourself, well, how in the world do they get a ladder to, to go up on the roof? How in the world are you going to maneuver? You guys saw how difficult that was for just going around the room. How are you going to raise somebody up onto a roof and then lower them back into the house? Well, back in this culture, your roof was almost more like a patio. You actually would have had like a staircase that led up to it, um, kind of a nice level platform type house. Full of, you know, the, the flooring would have been like dirt and all kinds of other stuff. So it would have been more of a kind of a patio and upstairs living area on top of this house here. But you think about it, they, they still are able to go up on this thing, but they didn't, they didn't plan on doing this right they didn't bring any digging tools with them you think about that it's like they, this was not like it this was not their plan a probably wasn't even their plan b and so here they are digging away clawing away at the dirt removing these sections of the roof so that they can get this guy in now i've had a lot of different interruptions in my life while i've been preaching right i've had I've had phones go off. I've had babies crying. I've had somebody burp extremely loudly. Yeah, Kaylin, you know all about that, right? I've had a lot of interruptions during a preaching sermon. Never in my life have I had the roof start to cave in, right? I've never had somebody start to drop down right before me. I mean, can you imagine the, the, the situation inside the house, the serious conversation and dialogue that's going on with Jesus and these people, and all of a sudden people are like, 
where's all this dirt coming from? And all of a sudden they start to see like a hand reaching through. It's like a horror movie or something, right? Except coming from the ceiling and not up from the ground. So just imagine what this would have been like this day. But they eventually removed this. And again, this is just kind of how these houses were made. This is a big deal and not a big deal all at the same time. This is not like busting through the shingles or whatever and the drywall or whatever it might be at your house in the ceiling. But still pretty significant. And they make this large enough that they're able to slide this guy down. I don't know what this would have looked like, right? Like I just, I, some of this is kind of a comical story to me because I just, I can only imagine what it would have looked like but how awesome it would have been all at the same time that these guys are so desperate to get this guy to Jesus. And eventually they lower him down into the midst before Jesus. And I love this because verse 20, it says, and when Jesus saw their faith. Now notice, it doesn't say Jesus saw his faith. In other words, it's not that he saw just the guy, the, the paralytic, their lying ground. He's, it, this is a comprehensive term. He saw their faith. He saw the faith of the guy, but he also saw the faith of the friends. How desperate they were to get to him. How much they believed that he was able to do something miraculous for this guy. Jesus acknowledges. He sees their faith. And he said to him, rise, get up, and walk, Right? No, <laughs> that's not what he says. Instead, he says to the same, man, your sins are forgiven. And you think about that for a moment. <laughs> if you're this man and if you're the friends and you're hearing this right now, you're like, cool, awesome, but so my legs... <laughs> My, you know, my legs, <laughs> what about those? <laughs> so you got them, like, kind of wondering, oh, okay, kind of confused by what's happening here. And then you have the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, and this is interesting because we learn from this passage and other ones that this questioning is not out loud, but it's questioning in their minds. They're thinking things. And they're thinking to themselves, who is this guy? Who does he think he is to forgive sins? Doesn't he know that only God has the authority to forgive sins? We all know in our minds the answer to that is absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. But in their culture, for some human to claim such authority to speak this way would be, as they say here, blasphemous or blasphemy. As you see in your study helps there, blasphemy was speaking falsely about God or to bring dishonor to God's name or his authority. So these are pretty big claims that they're bringing against Jesus. And they're actually quite true, right? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But verse 22, Jesus perceived their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. There are all kinds of things in the story that prove that Jesus is God. This is another one of them, right? He knows what they're thinking. And he answers them as if they actually ask the question out loud. Why do you question this in your hearts? Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? Forgiveness of sins is hard, but it really can't be verified, can it? How do you actually know that somebody's sins are forgiven? Well, 
What if the authority to say such things could be proven? Well, then we might have something to go off of. So that's exactly why Jesus asked this question, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, get up, and walk? I don't know about you, but both seem pretty hard. (laughs) Both seem pretty challenging. But how in the world are you supposed to know that Jesus has such authority to do this? To demonstrate it through his power. By telling this man to rise, take up his bed, and I love it. This says, go home. Get out of here. Scoot, skedaddle, get on your way. And immediately, immediately, Verse 25, he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Paralytic did something that he had not done in years and perhaps his whole life, and that was stand. He obeys Jesus, he picks up his mat, and he walks out in front of all of them. He and everyone else are blown away, amazed by what has just taken place. Have you ever wondered, I was, I was thinking about this today, why is this not the typical pattern for Jesus? What I mean by that is, do you notice that how many times has Jesus healed people in the Gospels, but you don't hear him say anything about your sins are forgiven and then he heals them? Typically, he just heals them. Why do you think he does that here? Any ideas why maybe he does that here, but he doesn't do it elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's significant, right? That there was such a large crowd, but in particular in that crowd were significant individuals, the Pharisees and the scribes, right? These people who thought they had the highest level of authority amongst the people. And here Jesus is, this is the first time, and the gospel is really the only time that he does this. This is the first time the scribes and the Pharisees are gathered to listen to him, and he's there to make a point. I do have this authority. I do have this power. And I will exercise it freely on all who believe in me. This guy walked away from this changed forever. And it reminds us that as much as Jesus cares about your physical and real hurts, At the end of the day, Jesus cares primarily about your soul. He cares mostly that you would be saved, that your sins would be forgiven. So as you go to your groups tonight, I want you to think about a couple of things. Again, I want you to think about the reality of Jesus being God, right? We see it throughout this story. He knows sins. He forgives sins. He knows hearts. He heals legs. He has power. All of that is clearly pointing to who he really is as God. With that also, keep in mind this. Faith is necessary to experience the forgiving grace of God. Faith is necessary to experience the forgiving grace of Jesus. Because what was the basis of Jesus forgiving his sins? He saw their faith. They believed Jesus for who he really was. 
They knew he was able and he had the authority to do such things. And again, it points us to that, that big major point in the story that our greatest need is not often what we think it is. Sometimes we think our greatest need is having more friends. We think it's getting the grades in school. It's getting onto the sports team. It's whatever. You fill in the blank of what we feel like our greatest need is. But student, Jesus is here to remind you your greatest need above all other things is to experience the forgiving grace of God. So with that, let's dismiss you to your group so you have plenty of time to discuss. Thank you for your attention.